Philippians chapter 2 uh, this morning. Let's go ahead and look at our Bibles for just one verse and we'll pray. Verse number 5 this morning, probably with the most familiar uh, verse of chapter number 2 would be this one. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. In fact, let's just read it together. You ready, church family, together? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How about one more time, get it in our, in our minds, this verse together. To get, uh, so let's say it again. Again, let this mind be in you, which was also in all right, that's the thought this morning. Father, again, all of us are asking, Lord, may there not be a source that we don't, but Father, we ask that you would speak to us, and Lord, through your word, through the Spirit of God, help us, Father, not to miss what you have for each of us this morning. And Lord, if there's somebody in here this morning not saved, uh, Father, would you again draw them to you, help them, Father, to, to accept and believe and receive, and God, thank you again for the day that we got saved. And Father, as we look at let this mind be in you, Lord, help us to have your mind uh, in us every day and every minute of the day. Father, may we again think like you would think. And again, help us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, Apostle Paul is writing from prison. And as he writes this letter from prison, he's writing to the church at Philippi. And uh, he, of course, addresses several things in this particular book, uh, the four chapters long. Probably the theme of the book would be joy and how to keep your joy. But in chapter number two, and when he gets to verse number one, he's going to work his way through it, and we'll read these verses. Paul's really, I feel like he's almost addressing a little bit of disunity in the church. I think you'll understand it when we read these first four verses. I think almost addressing that there's a kind of a, a, almost a division. Now, it's not like the church at Corinth where, you know, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, you know, I'm of Cephas. It was not one of those situations, but it, there was almost like an undercurrent of um, division that Paul is trying to address. And here, so again, follow now, look at verse number one. Here's what he says in verse one. He, he used the word if any four times here and just in verse one. He says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies. And uh, he, he says, then fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let me, let me stop again and say, in verse number one, it's almost like what Paul's saying. He says, listen, at your church, is there, if there's any consolation, the word consolation means exhortation. If there's any word from God, any, any consolation of Christ, if there's any word from the Lord, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any love in your heart for others, um, he, he talks, there's three or four of them there. The third one there, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, word fellowship meaning communication, really meaning partnership, but communication of the Spirit. And then he, he ends up that fourth phrase there in verse one. If there's any sympathy, bowels of mercy, bowels and mercy, not of mercy, but and mercy. Is there any sympathy? Is there any mercy going on? Now, church, I mean, by the way, those things ought to be going on in a church. We ought to have a word from God. We ought to have a love for the brethren. We ought to have mercy and sympathy for those who are in need and who are struggling or maybe having problems in their life. And there ought to be a communication of the Spirit, a fellowship of the Spirit that we sit in a church service and we hear the Lord speak to us in that still small voice. We hope that that be the case. Paul says, if there is any of that, then fulfill my joy. Now, what, what joy is he talking about? He says, fulfill my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. I want to tell you, if there's two unity killers, it's those two things right there. If there's any strife, it means quarrel, debate. If there's any fighting amongst you as brethren, and if there be vain glory, vain being empty glory, talking about uh, self-conceit, if that, if that stuff's going on, you're going to have disunity. If you're constantly striving or fighting with one another as Christians or trying to proclaim your own goodness and the self-glory, he says, if you've got those things, it's no wonder you're not getting along. 
And then he goes on to say this. He says, now listen, here's what you need to do. In verse number three again, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. He said, now listen, in a church setting, stop looking about, about you and start looking about others. He said, stop trying to see uh, you know, how you are a gift to the church. Find out what gifts other people have to where they edify the church. And he says, that's where you're going to get unity. Now, in preference, or if I can say preceding verse number five, all right, say verse five again with me. It's a very short verse. Let's say it again. You ready? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, just before he says that, he just got in talking about three different types of minds in verses one, two, and three. He says the word mind in verse number two. He says, uh, see here, I'm, I'm sorry, verse number two, he says, being like, uh, fulfill you my joy, that she be like-minded. Also in verse number two, that she be of one mind. And then in verse number three, lowliness of mind. And then you come to verse number five, let this mind. So Paul here, now here's what, I, again, I think what Paul's trying to say. Uh, you can have unity, but you're going to change your thinking. Church family, isn't it wonderful to be brethren? And is it not so true as Psalm 133, verse number one, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity? Amen. And Paul says to the Philippian church, he says, listen, if you're going to have unity, you have to change your thinking. You have to be like-minded. You have to have lowliness of mind. You have to be of one mind because if you're going to have unity with one another, you have to think the same. Then he gives us a Bible example. That's what I want to preach about this morning. The Bible example, the best example, is the mind of Christ. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, we understand the word let, meaning it's a decision you have to make. You have to give permission. Let. Let this mind be in you. This morning, I hope that you'll ask the Lord, as we look at the mind of Christ this morning, that you would have this kind of mind. Now, church family, I know that from verse 5 through number 8, I'm sure these verses have been preached on before. And we could find several things as far as the mind of Christ. I want you to point to three words that are mentioned in verses 5 through 8. And those three words, I think, are the epitome of the mind of Christ. And that's the mind that we're supposed to have. So Paul here is talking to the church of Philippi. And he says, I want you to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ had this type of mindset. You're supposed to have this type of mindset. And by the way, if we as Christians all have this type of mindset, we're all going to get along. We're going to love the brethren. We're going to be sympathetic to those that are in need. Uh, we're going to have a communication from God. He said all of this is going to happen if you have the mind of Christ. So the big question this morning is do you have the mind of Christ? And if not, let's get and look at the scriptures and see what that is. All right, look at verse number five with me tonight, this morning. What is this? He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, not talking about the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a, what's the word? And was made in the likeness of men. He took upon him the form of a servant. Now, can I tell you, if we're going to be, uh, as God's people, if we're going to get along, we need to have the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? It's being servant-hearted. It's having a servant's mind. Now, can I tell you, that's a different mindset than mastermind. That's a different mindset that I'm the one in charge. That's a different mindset of I know better than you. It's a servant's mindset. Uh, Jesus, again, portrayed that mindset. Remember just before he, he uh, went to the garden and he's got his disciples together 
And he takes the disciples, he puts the towel over his arm, and he goes to them, and he takes that basin of water, and he washes the disciples' feet. And he was not telling us that we should go around washing everybody's feet, but he said, happy are ye if you do what I've done. And he was teaching them the idea of, hey, listen, I should be the one that's master, but I've made myself the servant. Hey, can I tell you that the mindset that every Christian ought to have in a church setting, in a believer setting, is a servant's mind. What is a servant's mind? It's a matter of looking to fulfill the needs of others instead of trying to get others to fulfill our own needs. Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 28, And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Church family, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he was a servant to people. What did he do during his earthly ministry? He went to the poor. He went to the lame. He went to the sick. He went to the halt. He helped others that who could, they couldn't help him, but he helped others. Can I tell you that if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we have to have a servant's mindset. A servant's mindset. That's, that means when we, when we walk through life, we're looking at how we can help somebody else, not how somebody can help us. So here that Jesus says that he took upon him the form of the servant. You know, Jesus Christ was the one person who didn't need to be the servant. Jesus Christ made us. Jesus Christ was God. And yet Jesus portrayed this idea of being a servant by his very life as far as coming to this earth. That's not the only thing. Look at again your Bible again. First that we see that he had a servant mindset. But look at verse number eight. In verse number eight, the Bible says this. And being found in fashion as a man, he what? Humbled himself. Now again, these verses go together. Let this mind be in you. The first mindset that we ought to have is a mindset that we're a servant. We're, we're, we're the ones that's supposed to help others. The second thing is, is that God said Jesus had, was this idea of the mindset of being humble. Humility. Now, humility, we all think we're humble. <laughs> we all have that idea, well, I'm not a proud person. But truth of the matter is, sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we act. Sometimes it's not how we act, it's what we do. Do you understand that Jesus demonstrated this humbleness of mind when he came to this earth? The Bible says he was born in a stable. He was subject to his parents. In Luke 9, it says he was poor. In Matthew 3, it says he submitted to baptism. It said in the book of John that he refused to be honored when they wanted to make him king after feeding the 5,000. He washed the disciples' feet. He submitted to the suffering of mankind. You know, all of these actions show the humility of God, Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you. What mindset? A mindset to serve people. What mindset? A mindset of humility, one of that which is humble. You know, when you look through the scriptures and you find out what God did to those who were proud. Nebuchadnezzar roamed for seven years. Uh, Lucifer was cast out of heaven. Herod was eaten of worms. You go through the scripture, you find out, boy, God doesn't like pride, does he? These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. What's the first one? Proud look. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. You know, God doesn't like pride. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way uh, do I hate. God doesn't like us when we get to that place of an attitude that it's us and that we're the ones doing what, what is happening in our life when it's really God. You know, when you look at the rest of this verses, it's interesting uh, that after he talks about the mind of Christ in verse number nine, look at your Bible again. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. Who's the him? Jesus Christ. Exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church family, we understand that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But do you understand that honor came by example because of Christ's humility? What's he trying to teach us? That honor comes for us after humility. James 4, verse number 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the what? Unto the humble. The Bible says before, Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty and before honor is humility. And he says that twice in the book of Proverbs, that God says, I'm going to bless the person who is of a humble mind. Listen to me this morning, church family. I don't mean to run through just scriptures with you this morning. I want you to catch what the Bible's teaching us. God says that as a congregation, we need to have unity and that unity is gonna come because of having the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ comes because of being a servant trying to help others. That, that mind of Christ is going to come or that unity is going to come because of having humility, not being proud for what God has given and done for us. Then Jesus says the third thing. Look at the Bible again in verse number eight again. It talks about the mind of Christ. He says, in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want you to notice the word obedient there. Again, Paul teaching us the example of Christ in this area of what we need to have in order to get along with one another. We need to have a servant's heart. We need to have a humble heart, but we need to have an obedient heart in verse number eight. And he stresses what that obedience was for Christ. You know, in the scriptures, we notice in the New Testament, Jesus was all man, but yet he was all God. We understand from the book of Hebrews that he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. The reason Jesus Christ could die is because he didn't sin. But Jesus still made a choice in his humanity that he was not going to sin while being God. Now, it's hard for us to comprehend the Godhead being man, but that's what the Bible teaches. We understand that Jesus Christ, as the Bible says here, was obedient unto death. Now, we, follow me now. I want you to think this thing through. When Jesus Christ came to the garden and he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, we understand that Jesus said, talking to God the Father, if, if, if so be, this cup can pass for me, but not my will, but thine be done. Remember what the Bible says? In other words, what Jesus was saying, I don't want to go through, in, my, in his humanity, he did not want to go through the suffering that was going to have to take place for the payment of sin, but he said, not my will, but thine be done. What was Jesus teaching us? Jesus was teaching us that it, he was going to be obedient unto death. In other words, he was going to submit to God's will, can I say it this way, even if it killed him. Amen. You know what the mind of Christ is? The mind of Christ is being obedient to the will of God. And you say, Pastor, what does that have to do with unity of the brethren in the context of scripture in verses one through four paul's telling hey listen listen you, you guys need to make sure you get along and you need to have to be like-minded you need to be of one mind now let me tell you how you're going to do that you need to have the mind of christ he says the mind of christ is that jesus was obedient unto death he was submissive to god's will Trisha, can you tell you most of the fighting that goes along and goes goes on among brethren that's not god's will somebody is not being obedient to the will of god Somebody is not saying, not my will, but thine be done. Okay, God, I don't like this, but if this is what you want, this is what I'm going to do. 
So here's what Paul's trying to teach us here. He says the mind of Christ needs to, first of all, it needs to be a mind that is a servant's mind. Second of all, it needs to be that of a humble mind. Third of all, it needs to be that of an obedient mind. When you think about the characteristics of a bondservant in Scripture, a bondservant was a purchased possession. A hired servant is what you do when you go punch a clock from 9 to 5. A bondservant in Scripture was a person who was purchased. They owned the servant. A bondservant does not choose their own tasks. A bondservant does not set their own wages. A bondservant does not make their own hours. A bondservant does not have their own rights. A bondservant is obedient to their master. You know, that's the mind of Christ that we're supposed to have. Just like he submitted to the will of the Father, and that's why he went to the cross, we should submit to the will of the Father in every area of our lives. That's the mindset we ought to have as a Christian. You know, unfortunately, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, that Christians have been tainted with worldly thinking. This idea of worldly thinking is I've got my rights. This idea of worldly thinking that I can be spiritual but yet still be worldly. That's worldliness. That's, that's a mindset of the devil. That's not Christian mindset. The mind of Christ. What, what was the mind of Christ? I should be serving others. What was the mind of Christ? I should, I should think as he said in verse number three. Let me read the verse so I don't quote it wrong here. In verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's humility. That's humility. Giving the credit to somebody else instead of taking the credit for ourselves. So here he says, this is the mindset. Have, have this obedience to the will of God for your life. You'll get along. You'll get along. I want you to say verse 5 with me. Say it again together. You ready? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What's the this? I want to tell you what the this is. It's being a servant. I'm going to tell you what the this is. It's humility. I'm going to tell you what the this is. The idea of being obedient to the will of the Father. Do you have that mindset this morning? You know, preparing this particular message, it just again makes me think, Lord seemingly deals with me before he deals with you. But just asking God, God, do I have that mindset? When it comes to people, do, am, I, am I thinking like Christ or am I thinking like Scott Hanks? Am I thinking like Christ or am I allowing the world to adjust my thinking? You know, listen, we uh, know each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And whether it's a fraternal family in your own family or whether it's a church family as we have here, we're supposed to have Christ's mind when it comes to others. And when he looked at those disciples and Peter said, no, don't wash my feet. Peter, Jesus told Peter, he says, no, I need to wash your feet. Because I'm giving you an example of having a servant mindset. Jesus Christ, in his humility as God, came in the form of man. We quote the verse out of Psalms 8, and it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. It's like that question, like, how, how does that even happen? That God would visit us, that God would have anything to do with us. That's what Jesus did. He came to earth, took on the form of man. You know why? Humility. And then obedience. You know, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your and I's sin because somebody had to pay that sin debt. Either I pay the sin debt and I die and go to hell forever and ever, or I accept Jesus' payment for my sin debt and I go to heaven forever. Amen. I'm glad Jesus died for me. Amen. But you know why that happened? Is because he had a mindset of obeying the Father. What's your mindset? What, what, what is your thinking like? You know, our thinking ought to be, our thinking ought to be like Christ. Uh, tonight's the Super Bowl, but in 1992, the, I don't keep up with football at all, at all, but in 1992, the Washington Redskins won the Super Bowl. 
uh, I, don't know if, I don't know all the different Christian leaders out there, but I, th- I think his first name was Chuck, but Chuck Colston was going to do a prison service and the Washington Redskins players were supposed to be at that and it was five days after the Super Bowl. After the, after the Super Bowl had ended, uh, Colson called the coach and said, hey, listen, are the players still going to be able to come and speak to the men that are in prison? The coach at that time, his name was Joe Gibbs. And Joe Gibbs says, I am so sorry, but we've released everybody and they're not available. But he said, if you want me, I'd be glad to come. Amen. The coach of the winning team for the Super Bowl goes into the prison and, of course, they were all applauding as he came in. And Joe Gibbs was a Christian, and he explained to them that fulfillment was not winning a Super Bowl. Fulfillment was in Jesus Christ. You know, I think sometimes we as Christians, we we make our fulfillment out of recreation or sports or work. But our fulfillment is not in things and not even in people. Our fulfillment is in Christ. And that's the mindset we're supposed to have if we're going to get along with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. This morning, I don't know if you're lacking one of those areas, but I hope that your prayer would be, let this mind be in me as also was in Christ Jesus. God, help me to be a servant-hearted mindset. Help me, help me to have a humility mindset. Help me, Father, to have an obedient to your will mindset. That's the mindset all of us ought to have this morning. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment?